This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Coming up on Taking Stock, we're going to be speaking to Ravin Gandhi. He is the founder and the chief executive of GMM Nonstick Coatings. Why? Well, he's going to tell us all about doing business in China and India. He's an American entrepreneur, but his firm is headquartered in China. We've got more details coming up. Right now, though, let's go to Charlie Pellet. He's in the Bloomberg newsroom and has a Bloomberg business flash. And I think of him, Fox, the selling continues off our session lows, but a down day nonetheless with the Dow Industrials now down 298 points, a drop there of 1.6% to 18,180. The S&P 500 index is down 41 points at 2140, a drop of 1.9%. And NASDAQ is down 104 points to 5154, a drop right now of 2%. So stocks are falling in the worst sell-off since Britain voted to leave the European Union. Well, the catalyst for much of this today, a Federal Reserve official signaling more willingness to raise interest rates. But what about the outlook for corporate earnings? David Joy is chief market strategist at Ameriprise Financial. He was interviewed this morning on Bloomberg Television. We're still hopeful that we'll see a shift to positive earnings growth in the fourth quarter. That's, you know, sort of the consensus view. But uh, there's no question that those uh, uh, forecasts have been downgraded consistently throughout the year. No surprise there. They're still positive, however. But uh, that remains to be seen. Oil is trimming its weekly gain after the biggest U.S. stockpile slump in 17 years was seen as a one-off caused by a tropical storm that disrupted imports and offshore production. Crude oil is lower now by 3.7 percent, down $1.75 a barrel on West Texas Intermediate at $45.87. Walmart's going to stop selling well-spun India's 100% Egyptian cotton sheets after a controversy over the product's provenance. And people familiar with the matter say negotiations between Bayer and Monsanto are entering the final stretch as both sides move closer to an agreement to create the world's biggest maker of seeds and pesticides. Again, the S&P down 40 at 2141, a drop of 1.8%. The 10-year down 20, 30 seconds, the yield 1.67 and gold down 7.30 the ounce to 13.30, a drop for gold of six-tenths of 1%. It is 2.32 on Wall Street. Now, let's take a look at some of the other news from around the world on Bloomberg Radio. Thank you, Charlie. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Jill Schneider. The House has approved a bipartisan bill that would allow families of September 11th victims to sue the government of Saudi Arabia. Fifteen of the 19 hijackers on 9-11 were Saudi nationals. The bill, which passed the Senate in May, faces a likely veto from President Obama. Pentagon officials paused this morning to remember their colleagues killed on 9-11. Here's Deputy Defense Secretary Bob Work. We come here to mark the 15 years since that September morning when our country, our people, and our very way of life came under attack. The NYPD marched through Lower Manhattan this afternoon to honor the victims of September 11th. 71 police officers were killed when the two World Trade Center buildings collapsed, and dozens more have died since then from illnesses contracted while working in the hazardous conditions immediately following the attacks. President Obama is condemning today's North Korean nuclear test as a grave threat to regional security. He says the U.S. will never accept North Korea as a nuclear state. French authorities have made more arrests in a possible terror plot. Bloomberg's Michael Barr has more. French police have arrested three women accused of plotting imminent terrorist attacks. 
The arrests came after a car containing gas canisters was found near Paris's Notre Dame Cathedral earlier this week. France's interior minister says the women were radicalized fanatics, clearly preparing fresh violent actions. Since 2015, more than 200 people have been killed in France in terrorist attacks. Michael Barr, Bloomberg Radio. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Jill Schneider. This is Bloomberg. Charlie? And we thank you. And again, recapping a 302-point loss for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, down 1.6%. The S&P 500 Index down 40, a drop of 1.9%. And NASDAQ down 104 points, a drop of 2%. I'm Charlie Palatin. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. If you use any products from Black & Decker or Remington or perhaps have a crock pot, well, you've come into contact with the next company's product, but you may not know it. Ravine Gandhi is the founder and the chief executive of GMM Nonstick Coatings, and he joins us from Chicago. Ravine, thank you very much for being with us. It's a pleasure. Can you describe for people the sort of history of GMM nonstick coatings? Because you've been in this business for a while and you've completed several deals. Maybe just give us a little bit of your background. Uh, yeah, so I joined my first, I was a CPA by training and uh, I joined uh, what was my family's uh, chemical manufacturing company about 20 years ago. And we built that up in Chicago, sold it to a giant uh, corporation called Axon Nobel. I ran that for a few years uh, after a non-compete, a very typical story, started a new business on my own this time eight years ago, and have built that up into uh, one of the world's largest suppliers of nonstick coatings. And as you said in the intro, we supply to pretty much most of the uh, biggest American companies, and I think about 40 million people every day use our nonstick coatings uh, in America when they cook. But we're, we're talking, uh, or we brought you on here to talk to us about what it takes to succeed in China, what it's like to do business in India, really the overseas portion of your job. Um, how, how much of that, uh, do you spend time on and how big is it for your revenues? Oh, it's a huge part of our business. The, the reason why GMM is, is located in China and in India manufacturing wise is that about 90% of the $9 billion American cookware market is made in Asia. So we need to be there. If we weren't there, we would basically be out of business. Beyond that, we do a lot of business in those local uh, markets. There's obviously a lot of people in China who, you know, cook, uh, you know, rice and walks and all that kind of stuff. So we're probably split about 35% revenue ex-U.S. and 65% here. So tell us a little bit about some of the misconceptions about doing business in China. Maybe start with an understanding of the regulations that exist. Yeah, that, that's a great question, and it's such a, a misunderstanding. People in the media a lot of times think China is sort of like the Wild West and that there's no rules and you can do whatever you want. And I, I can tell you it's absolutely not the case, particularly where we are in. We're in a city called Zhuhai in the Guangdong province in the south, and the regulations there for chemical manufacturers like me absolutely rival anything that you would see in the USA. It's extraordinarily stringent uh, with environmental controls. And it's something a lot of people, frankly, um, make a big mistake on when they go into China because they think they can do whatever they want. And as a lot of businesses find out, the government doesn't take that lightly. That is fascinating. And uh, I have to say surprising to me as well. I would have thought that there would be ways around those regulations, greasing the right palms, knowing the right uh, 
party members, but I guess that's probably not the smartest way to do business when you're a foreigner in China? I think it's absolutely not. I, I'm, I, I, without question, what you just cited does exist, okay? I mean, if I'm a realist. But in the end, that's never going to make your business, unless you happen to be in an industry that is, is very corrupt and what the government wants. But from my perspective as an American entrepreneur, I have a, a business partner who's a Hong Kong-based Chinese guy, and we play it straight. There's just no other way to do it these days. Tell us about local customs, because that also affects how successful you can be in business. Yeah, it, you know, I have found kind of painfully sometimes over the last 20 years, for instance, in, in America, you know, people say, oh, he's a straight shooter, she's a straight shooter. In China, that concept is, is a little mixed. And what I mean by that is if you are a authoritative figure, if you are the boss of something, the people under you will almost never tell you bad news, not because they want to hide it, but just because it's considered inappropriate. So you really have to make sure in China when you're getting certain news that you're, you're understanding the true story. The concept of saving face or embarrassment is so big there that I always double and triple check things to make sure that I don't make a faux pas um, unintentionally. So how do you deal with that? I mean, do you say to your employees, listen, give it to me straight, or do you find ways of understanding their body language, figure out how to read between the lines, and get the message even when they're telling you yes, yes, yes? Yeah, it's more the latter. It's more the latter. It's certainly not just, you know, do this and they do it. It's, it's something that's kind of uh, genetically opposed to, I would say. So it is very much asking sometimes the same question two times or three times in different ways, using a little nuance, knowing the people. We have hundreds of employees, so I, it's hard you know, I don't do this with every single person, but for the people who report to me, um, absolutely, it's it's a little bit of art and a little bit of science. You also mentioned that you got to be big. Yeah, I mean, you know, I there's a great quote from Jeff Immelt, uh, who runs GE, saying China is big, but China is hard. And one of the reasons why, I mean, we all know kind of why it's hard, but it's huge. And if you want to go into China, you you have to understand that serving 10 or 20 or even 100 million consumers is a rounding error. You know, there are cities in China that aren't even on the map in the West that are basically millions of people. So with any business in China, you have to know how to do one thing, and that is scale. So big and fast. <laughs> big and fast. I mean, those are two pretty good concepts. Because speed is important there. Why is that? Well, because, well, I mean, there's speed, I think, is a killer, you know, in any business. You need to be fast. But in China particularly, because for every would-be entrepreneur, there's hundreds of people who want that spot. You're just talking about the law of numbers. Think about how many people we have in this country versus versus China. It's an order of magnitude difference. So speed is really a huge differentiator. All right. Hey, Ravine, really appreciate your time. Fascinating stuff. Ravine Gandhi there, founder and CEO of GMM Nonstick Coatings uh, out of Chicago, but talking to us today about doing business in India and mainly doing business in China where they manufacture, uh, the industry does, 90% of worldwide cookware. This is Bloomberg. Coming up on Taking Stock, coconuts. Yes, just what the world craves, coconuts. But the Caribbean is running out. We've got details ahead.